0: good hey everybody welcome to another episode of the investor frame podcast i'm your host paul sparks and on this show we ask successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs to share their stories so we can all learn from their experiences and get closer to the things that we want in life today i'm here with jesus toledo jesus has uh started and launched four successful startups he's exited two of them He's an active real estate investor. Now he runs a company a lot of us have probably heard of, 8020 REI. They are dedicated to helping professional real estate investors achieve their goals by being intentional with their data and marketing strategies. I love that. These guys are all about taking what they're already doing, not adding more, but being better with what you already have, being more intentional with the data that they have. It fits so well with the the, um, topics that we discuss on this show. Welcome in, Jesus. It's great to have you.
1: Thank you, man. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here and have this conversation with you, man. Looking forward to it.
0: Love it. Well, we ask all of our guests to start off each show with a six-word update. So what is your six-word update today?
1: (laughs) So it's something that I learned recently and we're very focused on is 10x is easier than 2x. And why is my six-word update? It's because we are putting a plan together. To be able to 10x within a three to four year time period. And I think I never done that before. And we were on a talk with Dr. Benjamin Hardy at CG Mastermind. And he was talking about that concept. And that resonated with me like tremendously. And I have been able to transmit that to our team. And I will really focus on that.
0: Mm, interesting. Uh, I am, I'm a big fan of Ben Hardy, uh, and like, like, all his books, uh, Gap in the Games, the one I'm just reading recently. Um, but tell us more about like why it's easier to 10 X versus two X. Is it, is it a mindset thing? Is it a tactical thing? What is it?
1: So I'm going to do a, a, as good as a job as a good job as he's doing in his book. He actually, his next book he's about to launch or he's already launched. It's called that. 10x is easier than 2x. We saw his talk before he launched his book, so it was prepping us, but it was an amazing content around the concept that when you're focusing on 2x, you focus on the little things, right? You, you're trying to figure out what is the next trick that you need to make to operation. You, you try to fix what is the next ad that you should do. It's little things. When you focus on 10x, it forces you to expand your view and focus on bigger problems. And 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 understanding that, like it, for me, it was a huge game changer. The way that I'm wired, I'm always focused on today and try to figure out what I have to do today to increase. But with the goal of 10X, it makes me wonder, am I doing the right things? Should I be focused on this, right? And he even went further in expanding that. The only way that you can get to 4X is by expanding your network your time, like really understanding your time management, your focus and that relationships, money, time and focus. I think it was the four things that he, he was challenging. So like I said before, I think we've always been so, I spend a lot of times in the day-to-day, trying to figure out what can we do today, right? But if you zoom out, it allows you to have a bigger perspective. So we're working very hard as a team to come up with that plan that will allow us to 10X,
0: I like it. You know, I don't know why this reminds me of, there's a phrase that uh, I hear every now and then, but it says, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. (laughs) And I don't know why that makes me think of this, but it's like, if you're playing a game, if you're playing the 2X game, well, you're probably focusing on the little things. I'm not saying that's a a bad game to play, but it's it's sort of like, yeah, what you focus on grows. for the last however many years couple three four years three years I guess I've been in real estate uh I was always focused on like wholesale deals I was doing smaller deals. We just closed on an 18 unit townhouse project. It was an eight million dollar deal and I I that's that's a that's a classic 10x thing right we were work we were focusing on twenty thousand dollar deals now we're focusing on 20 uh two million dollar deals. Um, that's, and that's, it's 10x though. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, that's like, bigger than a 10x. 10X. Um, it's hundred x. <laughs> that's right. And 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 what's the difference? Well, it's a mindset. It's because like if you spend all your time going after those types of deals, what do you expect? That's what you're gonna get, right? If you go after the bigger deals, that's what you're probably gonna get as well. So, um, you know, I just think that I I've, I've found that example in my life lately as well. Is it's actually a lot easier to just focus on the 10x getting to the, you know, I like to say, move the decimal. It's another thing I just keep saying lately. It's just like, just move the decimal over, right? A $10,000 deal versus a $100,000 deal. It's not really that much difference in the amount of work that it takes to get that. It's just, it's the mindset of what you're actually focused on.
1: And, and the ability also to present it to your team, right? So this is a, 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 something that I learned from one of my coaches, uh, Dan Martell. He, he told us, uh, if you don't tell the rules of the game, and what it means to win, you and your team, you you can't win, right? So it's very similar to what you're saying, like if you play super games, you win super prizes. It's the same thing. If you don't have a definition of winning with a clear path, you're not going to win. There's no way you're going to win. And that's extremely powerful. It's something that in my personal journey, something I'm working on. Like I said, like I've been always focused on the last three months, what do I have to do in the next three months to achieve this specific goal, but never with that really big vision. I'm not a typical visionary that has those amazing, huge goals. I try to focus more on the short term because I can't control the, but I'm learning to expand that vision, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm trying to do a better job as a leader and present that to my team Uh, because we all have that vision in our minds, but it's very hard to put it in words, make it a vivid vision, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you ever read the book, The Vivid Vision, making the vivid that everybody can feel and understand it and resonate with it and attract people that are looking to achieve the same things.
0: Mm. Yeah. Cameron Harrell, he's a, he's a great writer. He, i I've really enjoyed that book. Um, vivid, Vivid Visions. I think that's what it's called. Uh, yeah, but what you were just talking about, I think is a critical point that you've got to define what success means for you And especially as you're the CEO casting the vision for your company and moving into the future. But really, this is this is the essence of what we call the solvable problem. Everybody sort of has their own language. We just call it a solvable problem. And it starts by getting clarity on what success means for you, because if you don't have that, you're likely to leave it up to somebody else to define what success means. And maybe that is not exactly aligned with what you really want. So I'm curious, how do you define, there's probably two different things here. Hopefully they're aligned, but personal success versus like business success. How do you recognize uh, reconcile with those two things? And what does that look like for you?
1: Well, I'm still learning, man, to be quite honest. It's a part of my journey now is developing those two visions for myself or for my business and being able to, to merge them together, right? Like a... Uh, on a personal level, I want to be surrounded by people that I get inspiration from, right? Like that's what I want, either from mentors and for people that I work with. It doesn't matter what well, if you're looking up or if you're looking down or, or sideways, I want to be always surrounded by people that I get inspiration. Uh, and to me, that means that I'm able to be involved in a handful of businesses where I have a significant equity that I can get as much involved as I want or as little involved as needed, right? So I don't have a specific role in the business. Um, I'm choosing where I get involved when I choose you. If I want to be in one company for six months and be all in, I want to be able to choose that, right? Mm-hmm. That's my solvable problem, putting myself in that position. So... Today, our goals are to be me to be able to build a really good team on 8020. We have an amazing team, but elevating some some team members, maybe bringing some people from outside to have a really strategic level ten team, so I can step out a little bit and be able to choose more when and in what I work with.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's it's funny because you and I have the same solvable problem. I don't know if, um, here, here's how I articulate mine. And you tell me if this, if you like resonate with this. So I describe the way I want to play business the same way I play pickup basketball. What I mean by that is I don't have practice. I don't have to be anywhere at any point in time. I go play pickup basketball because I want to play. There's some days when I like to play, some days when I don't want to play. And of course, when I'm playing in the game, I'm there to win. Like I'm playing hard. You know, I you're getting you're getting my best effort. Uh, but when I step off the field or, or the court, right, and I leave the gym, I'm not really thinking about whether I lost that game. It's like I'm I'm gonna do the next thing. I'm going to be with my family. I'm going to, uh, you know, have dinner with a friend or something like this. And I don't, I'm not like obligated. By anything. And I get to play business and engage in whatever games that I like, because I've sort of designed my life that way. Sounds very similar to what you're saying, which is
1: you like to have all these, say that again. I like that analogy. I like that analogy.
0: And, you know, it's just like, I think that that's, that's, I think that's the solvable problem for a lot of us entrepreneurs is we want to get to the point where we're owners and we get to opt in to whatever it is, as opposed to saying I want to opt out. You know, you 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 collect all these obligations inside of a business that you build, right? I'm sure you know this as you've exited multiple companies and you, you're building this business now. It's like, well, the the key is relationships, and that's the personal where the personal meets the, uh, you know, the business goals. It sounds like. Part of the currency that you get the most value from is just being around smart people. Turns out those smart people end up being the people that help you build these businesses to allow you to, to live the life that you want.
1: Oh, you are 100% right. Like that, the analogy with the pickleball is great. I would add that it's not only choosing, and you, for me, you said something that is very important. When you're there, you're 100% there, right? Like you, you said, I, I'm, if I'm playing, I'm playing, but if I'm out, you guys have all the keys, right? If you, if you know you have a good team, it doesn't matter if you're playing or if you're stepping out because you know somebody's going to step in and make those decisions. But the ability to choose is what I'm looking for. Um, previously in my, in my past, in my other business, I've always been focusing one thing and that's my business. And what I've learned now that I didn't know then is I really enjoy the building part, like figuring out the bigger problems but the scaling of a business is not my thing. It doesn't motivate me as much as figuring out the the details, creating a new solution, thinking outside of the box. When you have a problem solved and now it's just putting more gasoline into the existing fire, it doesn't motivate me as much, right? Uh, I didn't know that back then. And Mm -hmm. I, I, I did exit a couple of businesses, but it didn't It wasn't huge businesses. Like people think, oh, you exit a business. You think trillions of dollars. It's not like that. We did okay. But because I sabotaged myself, I didn't know that I didn't enjoy the part of scaling the business. So I started feeling that I was bored about the businesses, Mm -hmm. right? And then I convinced myself that I wanted to step out of the business. If I learned that previously, I would probably put a CEO in place continue part of that business. Those, all the business that I've been around has been fun. I would love to still be involved with them, but not in the day-to-day operation. Does that make 100%. sense?
0: 100%, yeah. Well, so you've been building eighty twenty REI and uh, I'm curious what the solvable problem is for that business and, and how it relates to the customers that you serve, right? Because the, the product, I'll let you explain, but I love how you guys are, I love the messaging, being very intentional about your data. You know, I'm an engineer, right? So the 80-20 immediately is like, ah, these guys get it. Um, But like, what is the problem that that company is trying to solve for real estate investors?
1: The easiest way to describe this, we want real estate, professional real estate investors to get more deals without spending more. Right. And that means a lot of things, to be honest. If you're doing outbound marketing, having great data will help you get more deals. But you also have to focus on the strategy and the tactics. We call it strategy and tactics. The strategy is the frequency. How often do you mail? How often do you call? How often do you text? And also, the tactics is the little details. What message? What postcard? What wording? Like, what image do you put in the postcard? All those little things matter. Right? Uh, we help, we have a really good solution around data. We've been testing, approving strategy that helps significantly improve your return on investment. Like, regardless of where you're getting your data from, if you figure it from us, great. But just the strategy that we give our clients, it's worth gold. And then the part that we're trying to solve now is the tactics in order to make it easier for our clients to use. Because, you know, there's your investor, right? We're busy, we're closing deals. Uh, Something comes up, we have team hiring. There's so many moving pieces and having the time to really focus and master the marketing, the album marketing specifically, it's very difficult, right? For TV, you have a vendor. You don't try to figure out TV. For uh, PPC, well, some investors try to figure it out themselves. Others just hire an agency and they try to figure it out. On outbound, us as investors, we try to figure out everything, hire the co-callers, build the script, train, do everything, and it's not easy. There is a lot <laughs> of little things that need to go right in order to work at a high level, right? You can get a co-call campaign working with a couple of VAs and you training them and you are doing it, but if you want to really make it work and 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 maximize your return on investment, there is a lot of work that he, needs to be done. So. Our reliable part on that is we have we know our data works. We're constantly evolving and working on it. But for us, having great data is only 30% of the equation, right? If you want to get more deals from mobile marketing, the strategies and the tactics is where you should live, right? You should definitely outsource your data and then figure out a way to build the strategy or tactics or partner with somebody that can help you with that. Mm-hmm. Our goal now is building all of those solutions to make it super easy. So we're building a really good relationship with a call center, right? So they can execute the plan that we give them. So that we take the data, we give the plan and they execute on it, mm. right? We're building a whole infrastructure around direct mail. We're not gonna be a, a mail house, but we wanna build the sequencing, the timing, a tool that one click, and your direct mail campaign is said and done with great data, great strategy and tactics all together. So that's what we're trying to solve the next year, two years, is really understand how do we make it easier for the investors to have a high level outbound marketing strategy. It's not just data, right? Data is great, but you have to have all those little things together. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's, there's two points that you, that you made I thought were really, really insightful that I want to kind of touch on. The first is that I think a lot of newer investors, I made this mistake, um, and I know a lot of people who have made this mistake. Um, I'm sure that as you kind of mature, maybe you figure this out, but maybe that's not the case. A lot of us think that the answer is more. So send more texts, hire more cold callers, right? Um, or more data, go to a new market, something like this. And I think that actually just speaks to like human behavior in a lot of ways. We think that uh, just doing more deals is gonna solve our problems. We think that paying for more data is gonna somehow get us more leads, things like this. But it's actually about being more efficient with what you're already doing, you know? Um, So I'm curious your perspective on the mindset and the psychology of the investor who's constantly chasing like more and how that switch to getting, um, instead of doing more, what if we could just help you get more efficient with the already uh, the data that you already have, because if we can apply the 80, 20 principle, right. To a data set. Well, we know that 80% of the deals come from the top 20% of the data. Yet we continue to pound away at more and more and more data, as opposed to just getting smarter about where we allocate our our energy and our efforts and our you know marketing and whatever. So what's your what's your thoughts on that?
1: Well, oh, I mean, obviously we're huge fans of the eighty twenty principle, right? I, hence the name eighty twenty AI. Uh, I think Tim Ferriss was the time that really resonated with me when I read the Four Hour Work Week. Uh, that really resonated with the 80-20 principle. And since then, it's always been like a part of my life and everything like I don't go out and buy one birthday gift card. I go out and buy 10 so next, or 20. So next time I need one, I already have one at home instead of going to Walgreens and buying one, right? So those little things are part. How to apply that into data, you, you nailed it, right? Like 20% of the data will give you 80% of the results. I would add that there is an extra layer to that. That's something that we always challenging ourselves. There's the 80-20 and then within that 20%, there's another 80-20 and then another and another. You can go really deep on this. Um, the, The challenge that most investors face is doing that, measuring, tracking the results, testing, it takes a lot of time and it's very difficult. It's not easy. It, it, it's not easy don't like if you're doing the data the album market on your own and you're struggling and you're just thinking about more it happens to a lot of investors right so that's a, a really good part that we help them solve is understanding really what's their buy box really what are the key data points that will indicate that somebody will sell at a discount we take that off their plates. We help you, we guide you through the 80-20 principle for the data. And then we help you with the 80-20 on the strategy. We have a really solid strategy to help them instead of, hey, I need to go to another market because I already taxed everybody in my market. No, let's figure out a cadence. So we re-engage with the same people. Like if you take a market that is 500,000 uh, single family houses, only a point 0.1% of those will sell every year to an investor. Right. So you need to re engage with them constantly. Maybe you can't, I mean, you shouldn't engage with all 500,000 parcels, but you maybe there's that 20%, there's 100,000 that if you build the right strategy, you can engage with them repeatedly, month after yeah. month after month after month without expanding more. You're still getting the same amount of yields and, and without that feeling of chasing and chasing and chasing because. Co-calling and texting is typically where people find that they're burning data because it's so quick. It's so easy to send and, and wait for a response. But you'd be surprised how many people to give the, call, the, the text message as an example, they answer the fourth, fifth, sixth message that you send them. But should you send them every month? So you grab your best 100000 properties and you text them every month? No. There is times, there is cadence that you should follow in order to maximize your return on investment without spending a single dollar, extra dollar on your marketing budget, you could do more by just figuring out the timing between each marketing piece that you send.
0: Yeah, and that's the strategies and tactics you've been talking about, right? Which is um, so there's a couple components here. Are we are we actually messaging? And you you just hit on this, right? It's not about more data. Uh, it's just about getting our message to the right people at the right cadence, at the right time, and being consistent uh as opposed to trying to just hit more and more and more data because what we know is that the 80 20 principle exists in marketing and buying and selling houses just like it exists everywhere so we can use that theory to get us in front of the right people but now i want to ask you about the second thing which is what i call system reliability which is that you said this another way it's like there's a lot of things that need to go right you know, and, and I, I'm I'm positive that someone who runs the company that you run, you've got to have some level of frustration for this process because it's like, hey, man, all I can do is give you the right data. If if you don't know how to pick up the phone when it calls, if you don't know how to manage this inside your CRM, if you don't know how to negotiate, if you don't know how to write offers, if you don't know how to do okay, anything, I can't help you, right? Right. And so there's all these things that need to go right even before the freaking phone rings, right? And, um, yeah, so the more things that need to go right, the less likely it all is to go right, right? The more things that that have to add up, the phone has to get picked up on the first call. Otherwise, you're going to have to call them back probably five to ten times just to get them on the phone. So you're... Yeah. So you're adding all of these different things and new investors, they say, well, I'm going to save some money and I'm going to, I'm going to hire out all these people and I'm going to do it all myself as if somehow that's going to save them money. Right. I made this mistake. Try to do everything myself. Um, What I've realized as I sort of gone on is like, well, (laughs) you can do it that way. It's not like you're saying that that's not a valid way to build a business. You can do all this stuff, pull information from the county stack lists, you know, you could do all that yourself, or you could hire one company that's already got all those systems dialed in and you're now all of a sudden the reliability jumps up significantly higher because now you're not worried about, I made a mistake, Jesus, you're going to laugh, man. I put the wrong phone number on a postcard for two months straight and burn $30,000 like that. I was like, why is no one calling? What's going on? We're trying to figure out all this stuff. Of course the phone number was wrong. So I have nightmares about this because I know like personally how much it costs to make sure everything is right. It's kind of like you're constantly, you know, monitoring all these things. And that's what I love so much about what you guys do is not only do you put you, you put investors in front of the right data, but you help them, manage a lot of that stuff so that there's just less things that need to go right for them.
1: Yeah. You, 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 there's so many ways that we can go on this conversation, right? Like the example that you gave about your postcard, Direct mail is the easiest of the three marketing channels, right? I mean, easiest, I'm going to put a air quote on this because it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. And it's the most expensive. Uh, and, and you can make mix up the address, you can mix up the phone number. There's so little things, right? And there's the easiest one. If you're taking consideration, for example, SMS, and I go a lot back to SMS because we did SMS for a lot of the C.G. members and professional real estate investors at a really high level until December of 2022. No, 2021, I'm sorry, December, 2021. So we built all those little process. And this is a, a, one advice that I can give anybody who's doing SMS. Instead of focusing on doing more SMS output, instead of focusing how many messages your, te- your team is sending, focus on how fast they respond. If you focus and bring that response time to under two minutes, I guarantee you're going to increase your, your, your lead flow. Mm. Just by focusing on the right things, because all of us are focused, oh, how many, oh, um, my texas are not doing anything. They send only 2,000 messages a day. Well, but if they're responding everything under one minute and they're giving you more leads, who cares how many messages are sending? Mm. Right? The, it's focusing on what are the right things that move the, the needle. What is the 80-20? I would say on text messaging, the response time is one of the most important ones. Mm. And 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 so going to that part of so many little things need to go right. And the other thing is the time, right? You, you said I was pulling data, stacking, figuring out the postcard, figuring out everything myself. If you have all the time in the world, go go and do it, right? But if you have a little bit of money, I highly recommend leveraging. Not us. Anybody who has done it can show you that they will give you results and leverage that. Because unless your expertise is in data processing, machine learning, predictive analytics, and, and, and building amazing processes around the outbound marketing, if that's not your unique, like golden metal talent, focus on something else. Most mm-hmm. of the real estate investors are really good at sales, right? Or operations. Marketing is not their strength. So lay with your strengths and delegate everything else.
0: Yeah. So one of my business partners, his name's uh, Dan Nicholson. Um, mm-hmm. He wrote, I talk about this book all the time because it's my favorite book right now. It's a book called mm-hmm. Rigging the Game. And in this book, he talks about... Oh, definitely got to get it. Yeah, you got to check this one out. He talks about... Um, what does he call this? Let's look right here. Yeah, I forget if this is an issue processor, but essentially what he says is only innovate where you differentiate. And I, I like found it. myself trying to come up with better ways to do things that, like, I don't, you know, I don't it's know. Not your exactly. It's
1: not your your, genius, right? It's not what it, you supposed to be doing.
0: Yeah, and I found myself spending all this time and energy trying to, like, innovate in ways that I didn't actually differentiate. Does it really, do you really differentiate on, you know, I had to ask myself this, right, on how you pull data or on the postcard that you're using, like, are you trying, you know, so I was spending all this time trying to recreate something that somebody else had already done. And when I learned that you have permission to just copy what works in most cases, spend your time innovating in ways that you actually differentiate, you know, or do I, it's like, do I really differentiate in how I pull data and mail postcards and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Or do you, Are you better off spending your time and energy, you know, differentiating maybe in how you negotiate or how you structure offers or or the, you know, the values that your company provides the specifics on like how you can differentiate from your competitors and everything else just copy like I don't differentiate on my accounting systems, I don't differentiate on, you know. There's a lot of things. And so once I got that, I was like, oh, right. You have permission to just copy what works and then go innovate in the ways that you differentiate. And I thought that was uh, you know resonated with me with what you just said there.
1: So powerful. And I'll tell you a quick story. I, I always thought wholesaling was about the marketing, was making about the phone touring. And that's because who I am. I have a marketing background, I'm an engineer as well. So data and the marketing was kind of like my jam when we were doing wholesaling, when we just started wholesaling, right? And we were really good at generating leads. But what I learned once we merged, like when we we pivoted to eighty twenty REI, what we offer as a service, we started working with super high level operators. And what I learned, and I realized that they run a sales company, they don't run a marketing company. I was doing the, the wrong way. I was always focused on getting more leads, more leads, more leads, right? We using the eighty twenty principle, but we were not really good at converting them. Like our, our, our lead to conversion ratio was horrible compared to most of the investors. And I'm not falling in the game of comparison, but it gives you some benchmarks. And when I start digging, I learned the real good investors, they focus on sales. Mm-hmm. Because that's, that's the innovation to differentiate. That's how you can win in your market, knowing your market being the best one, solving a problem for the seller. It's not the data right? Unless that's your genius, unless that's your unique talent that you, God, gave you, focus on sales, focus on your talent, right? Mm-hmm. And let either get help, somebody in your team that you can hire and do this for you, or get help from companies that can help you with those, right? Yeah. Uh, that's well, it ties it back to the solvable problem. It ties back to the solvable problem that you sort of mentioned, which
0: is like, yeah, are, are we trying to solve a better way to get marketing leads or are we trying to help sellers sell their house like is that the problem that you're that you're trying to solve because if it is it's a sales problem like you said doesn't mean that there's not data providers like yourself who are solving a marketing problem but yeah once once you start realizing that as an investor you're not solving a marketing problem you know your problem is like how do you actually solve the sellers problem that's what you're in the business of solving their problems so focus more on that, focus less on all of the other stuff and give yourself permission to just copy what works. Um, yeah, and I think that uh, <laughs> I think that was a big like realization and actually like a huge weight off my shoulders. It was like, right, uh, I don't need to solve all these other problems, just get back to what you do well, which is building value in a
1: real estate deal. A hundred percent, man. I'm glad that you are in that path. It took me a while to figure that out too. Like I, I we 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 spent a couple of years trying to figure it out just the marketing side. That's why we got so good at it, right? The data in the market, we were obsessed with it. We were obsessed with the wrong problem for that solution. Once we created 8020, that's the right problem to solve. Right. Does not make sense? But we we're focusing 100%. on the wrong problem on the right problem with the wrong company, basically. Mm-hmm.
0: I want to know more about your personal investing, because I know that you're an active real estate investor. Um and I always, I always enjoy hearing how people articulate their own personal barbell. Um, you know, and we, we were sort of talking about this before and uh, the, the concept of the barbell being on one side, you've got reliable assets that allow you to play business like a sport, right? You know, it's, it's going to be real tough. Your anxiety is really high if you either don't have cash in the bank, cash flowing assets, some sort of like reliability in your life. Uh, But then on the other side, we're taking these bets, right? Where like with eighty twenty REI, I would imagine it's like, it's a a huge upside play and you're working to make it the reliable side. But talk to me a little bit about how you think of your investments and your businesses and how you're building financial certainty for yourself.
1: Yeah, we're investors. We don't have a huge operation. We're very strategical about that our goal is to build a good portfolio of properties and and especially in areas that we know are gonna appreciate the, the most, right? It's not about building, our portfolio is just cash flows. We want it to cash flow, but we also want that big upside on the potential, right? So we're very strategic on the problems that we keep in our portfolio. And that's definitely uh, uh, a, a safe strategy, right? If Eternary AI was, and still is, we're still trying, we have a ton of room to grow and we see that, but it's also becoming one of the stable, like we already can rely on this. We're making significant investments to continue growing, but we have that predictability. What we're looking for is always when we just recently did a big investment, this is a, a big one that we believe in a big upsell as well. We invested in a CRM. We actually ended up naming 8020 CRM. Uh, it's a Salesforce solution. So we're taking these little bets either in other ventures or, or looking to expand services on 8020 REI, right? So the way that I see is I want to be very focused on building solutions that help real estate investor grab more deals. And that's, our, our core. uh right now we're solving the marketing. We just partnered with somebody to do the CRM, right? I don't know what's, what's next for us, but that's where we're exploring. We're, that's where we're taking risks and, and finding tools that complement what we do to do it better, to give a more comprehensive solution for everybody. Yeah.
0: What is your opinion on trying to do too many things at once right so like for example what i noticed is that i had some reliable stuff and then i started focusing too much on everything on the upside because that's really where i like to live i love the zero to one stuff you know or many, I love yeah. <laughs> new ideas shiny objects i love them but the problem is like when you try to do too many things oftentimes you kind of lose track of your reliable stuff and then everything starts to drift into the middle and now it's all unreliable and it's all chaotic and things like this. Um, so yeah. How do you stay focused on as Gary Keller would call the one thing, right? And, and make sure that you're not impacting your reliability by trying to grow some other part of the company.
1: Well, so I applied the 80 20 rule to that too. Right. So I have 80% of my time needs to be on the reliable things. Like the things that is not a distraction, I know it's working and I focus that time. I only allow myself to spend 20% either researching new things, exploring new opportunities. That's my maximum amount of time that I can spend on that. There's an assessment called The Working Genius. He, uh, Patrick Lencioni created, I don't know, probably read some of his books. Highly recommend you take it. I think you are an innovator. Maybe similar to me that you like new ideas and brainstorming ideas. And and I used to feel guilty about those ideas. Now I embrace them, right? So you, you tell me, let's be in a room, brainstorm ideas and build, find a new solution to something. That's heaven to me, right? That's where I wanna be. That's why I wanna be surrounded by people that I get inspiration from because I wanna be in the situation where I can help with the ideation part, the zero to one of any idea. That's the part that I love. Then from there, I don't care. Like. Uh, and, and the way that I've done that is surround myself with great team and great partners, right? So wholesale operation, the real estate, I don't do anything. My partner runs 100% of that business. I run 80-20 and we just partner with somebody who will run 100% of 80 CRM. I have strategic calls, again, not going over my, my, my 20% of the time that I can in, invest in those relationships. So my partner, we have a weekly call, we go in, we saw, we help each other solve the big problems on both companies, right? Mm-hmm. But it's very strategical, very high level. We don't participate in each other's level 10s. We just get involved at a high level. The same with 8020 CRM. Chris is an amazing engineer. He's running the business. I'm just adding a little bit of value, right? On top of obviously some investment as well to catapult the growth or, or fast track some of the little things that we learned throughout that process. So I don't know if I answered that question the best way, but I think it's finding the 80-20 and everything that we do and and never lose focus on what's your gold medal talent, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Understanding that and saying truth to that. And it's very easy to get distracted, especially if you see all these opportunities. But if you know what you're good at and you know what are the things that moves you, it's not only the things that you're good at, but also the things that motivate you. Put yourself in that position. That's why I like and I recommended The Working Genius, because that assessment for me was an aha moment. What I realized, I I always thought that I had to be a good CEO and motivate people. And and that's not in my core. I'm more of an idea guy, having discernment. So he talks about having ideation, discernment, galvanizing. I, I live in the ideation and discernment process. That's where I, lo- I love to be. And it, may- it made all the sense to me. So I'm, now I'm trying to put myself in that position where I can use my genius. If I can use my genius 80% of the time, I'm done. I don't I don't care. Money is just going to be a consequence. Mm. I'm
0: going to have to pick that up. Pat- Patrick Lencioni, I've read a couple of his books. Like what was it? Five Advantages or Five Dysfunctions, Five Dysfunctions of, a of a Team? team. He has
1: a bunch of really good yeah, books, yeah.
0: And I've heard of that
1: probably two years ago. It's really good assessment. Really good. Mm.
0: You know, and just the importance of, again, I just kind of call it the solvable problem, but really getting clear on clarity is not necessarily just where are you going? Yeah, that's really important. You kind of need to know where you're going. Otherwise, you're probably just going to default to more and more and more, right? But also you have to know yourself. What is it? Uh, you know, Sun Tzu says that, right? Know, know thyself and you can fight a thousand battles without peril. If you know what your strengths are and you're making decisions not out of like, one of the things that I struggle with is comparison. You know, I, I struggle because I'm not a great operator. I'm not a great CEO in a lot of regards. Um, But I see all these people who are, And I get a little bit like, I want to be good at that because they're good at that. But I think the key to success is, is first of all, recognizing your biases that you are subject to these things, whether you like it or not, they're always going to be there. And then having a roadmap to say, well, this is what I'm good at. And really knowing your own strengths and knowing how to put yourself in positions to win, because ultimately, if you don't define what success means for yourself, Somebody else is going to define it for you, or you're going to try to find it by doing a bunch of things. And that sort of just defines the first few years of my real estate investing journey was like, once you got clear on what you actually, what I was actually really good at, started playing t- towards my strengths. I'm going to have to check out this working genius because it sounds like, uh, you figured that out again. It's a testament to how you've grown four businesses, exited multiple successful real estate investors, building this new eighty twenty business, expanding into eighty twenty CRM. You know, it's like once the rocket gets lit, it just starts taking off because you know what you're really good at. So that's, that's uh, where I
1: feel that I am in my journey. You nailed it, but it wasn't that way. Like I'm forty. How old are you? Thirty, about to be thirty three. So you have a ton of time, and and so. There is some scientific uh, studies that a brain doesn't mature until the year uh, age of 28, especially for men, right? So you're just five years out of your maturity, right? You, like, I don't have everything figured out. I'm, I'm just figuring out the planning and vision and, and part of business, right? So what? I, I, the main thing that I would tell you is don't feel bad about because I used to feel that way all the time all the time that I couldn't scale a business. I could build it, get to a certain level and I felt that was reaching a ceiling, but it, it, it's who I am. It's what I enjoy every time that I get out of it. Yes, you can, you need to get out of your comfort zone, right? There are things that you need to work on, but it's also this principle. Uh, there's a book called Buy Back Your Time. Uh, amazing, highly, highly recommend, especially in the journey that, you, that, you, that you're saying. He talks about focus on the things do you like and enjoy doing and understand, like knowing yourself, knowing your role in your business, know your role and as a CEO because there are different types of CEO. Yeah. Does it well, make just,
0: sense? Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's the it's like we sum this up by just saying like play your game. You know, if 100%. you can learn to play your game, that's where success lies. Um, easier said than done, though, right? <laughs> so I, identifying
1: your game is t- it's difficult. It's not easy. It's a journey. It's a long journey. There's no shortcuts to that, at least not for me. Some people have it clear and and figured everything out easily. For me, it wasn't and still is. I have a long way to go. So continue investing in yourself, building and knowing yourself. I think that's the best advice for any entrepreneur out there. Love it.
0: Well, that's how we like to finish the show is leave us with your greatest lesson learned. Something that you've learned in business. It sounds like you've learned a ton since oh. <laughs> starting all this. What What would you like to leave the listeners with as sort of your greatest lesson learned in business?
1: Oh, man, there's so many things, right? I, I think the one that resonates with me the most is, as we talked a, 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 a lot of times on this, if, if you don't know the definition of winning, you're not going to win, right? So there's a quote from Benjamin Franklin that I love is, by failing to plan, you're planning to fail. And that resonates with me. I I read that quote every single day to remind myself that I cannot avoid planning. I cannot avoid looking into the future and having a clear definition of winning, right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the times winning for me was just getting things done in the day. And and that doesn't necessarily mean winning. We want to win long term, right? I want to I want to be 20 years from now, be proud of the growth. And the only way that I'm going to get there is planning to get to that point. Uh, so it's, it's, it's something that I work on every single day. That's so good.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's all just the same stuff, right? Over and over and over. If you don't know where you're going, if you don't know what you're, if you don't define success, someone else is going to define it for you. If you don't know what winning looks like for you, how are you going to know when you win? Um, great advice. I love it.
1: There is there's one last little thing is sometimes we uh Gary Harper told me this people need to listen things seven times uh before they actually internalize. I think I'm I'm on the higher end of the spectrum I need to hear it 20 times before I can actually internalize it right and sometimes it's not how many times you listen it's the timing that you listen to it when you hear that message that resonates with you maybe you are not ready for that message at that moment right and and now is the time for me that's my time heard read books about planning multiple times in my life but this is the first time they really start resonating and i'm taking action towards that uh so yeah the, the content repeats itself but it's valuable at the right time for sure
0: well, Jesus, how can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about 8020 REI and some of the, the solutions that you provide? I mean, again, if they're listening to this show, if they're you know following along with the stuff I talk about, it's all about getting closer to what you want without chasing more and more and more. You guys have a data product that pretty much fills that to the T. So if they want to get in touch with you and they want to learn more about you know how to work with you, what you guys offer, how can they do that?
1: Yeah, best way to reach out to us regarding 8020 REI, is go to 8020REI.com. Uh, book a call with us. Uh, either me or my team will, 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 will have a strategy call with you, to see if it might be a fit. If you want to connect more on a personal level, I'm on all social media. You're probably going to have in the show notes, Facebook, Instagram. I'm not super active. I don't share a lot, but uh, we're all there, right? Uh, that's probably the two best ways you get a hold of us. Awesome. Yeah, we'll, we will. We'll we will have all that in
0: the show notes. So you guys can uh, reach out to Jesus, find out more about, about that business if you want to. It was a pleasure having you on here, man. I thought this was a great conversation. I love the the products that sort of like exude the principles and the core values that we talk about on this show. That's why I'm such a big fan of 8020 REI because I like the way you guys think. It's about doing uh, more deals with the same amount of data, right? Being more efficient with your approach, being intentional, as you guys like to say. So thank you for joining me today. It was, uh, like I said, it was a pleasure to have you.
1: Thank you, man. Thank you. This was a very great conversation. I I really enjoyed it and you're going to crush it. Your your podcast is going to grow. I can see that you're very natural at it and you're doing great conversations, man. So thank you.
0: Appreciate that. Well, so for everybody else, thanks for tuning in and we encourage you guys to use the investor frame. So knowing what you know now in the conversation that Jesus and I just had, What changes do you need to make to your life, to your business, to your investments so you can start getting closer to the things that matter most to you without chasing more and more and more? Again, thank you guys for listening in. We'll see you on the next show.